0: American songwriter. We had the opportunity to talk to Tim and Gareth of Timid the Brave over Zoom video. Both Tim and Gareth tell us about where they grew up and how they got into music. Timid the Brave really kind of started as a solo project for Tim. Uh, he started writing songs after taking a little pilgrimage out of high school and, and university. He went to Spain, did this long, long uh, walk. Brought a guitar, took him about a month, and when he got back, he decided to start uh, writing and releasing songs. That's what the beginning of Tim and the Brave was. And when he put out his first record, he was able to recruit Gareth to play violin on the first self-titled record. And from there, the two ended up working together. They put out another album called Fire Sale, which had a couple of songs that did very, very well on Spotify and on streaming services, uh, they talked about where they were when COVID hit, recording their brand new record, and the release of the first single from the new album, St. Maria. You can watch the interview with Gareth and Tim and myself on our Facebook page and YouTube channel, at Bringin' It Backwards. It would be rad if you follow us uh, on Instagram and Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, which would be uh, at Bringin' It Backwards. But on Instagram and Twitter, it's at Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Timid the Brave. Cool. So this is all about you and your journey in music and uh, starting Timid the Brave and and how, how you guys got to where you are now. Um, well, let's we'll start with you, Tim. Were, were you born and raised in Ontario as well?
1: No, I wasn't. I I was born in Vancouver um, and Grew up a little bit in northern BC, like this little remote logging town up there uh, where my dad got a teaching job and then moved to southern Alberta, just south of Calgary. Okay. Um, So about 45 minutes from the American border there. Um, And then I moved out to Hamilton to go to university and have just stuck around since then. So that was 2005. Okay. Um, yeah. And then I I just kind of fell in love with the city, made a lot of good friends and had to make the call between, you know, moving home and being around my family, who's all still out in Alberta or staying here and staying with this group of friends and, you know, giving, giving music a, a shot, which is something I didn't feel like I could do in Southern Alberta. There's just not really the the scene for it there. So.
0: Right on, right on. And how did
1: you get into music? Um. Yeah, I mean, I so I I guess you go as far back as I grew up in church singing, mm-hmm. you know, hymns to organ music, um way back when I was a kid and uh just kind of yeah, grew up always singing on Sundays and I I remember as I was thinking about doing this podcast, I a very vivid memory came back of sitting in my parents' living room with my headphones on just like singing my heart out on the couch probably annoying all my siblings to death um but they they let me do it um so yeah i I just i I always love singing i don't really have musicians in my family my dad's a good singer but there's no real songwriters or, or musicians beyond that um yeah so largely church and then when i was when i was in high school uh i joined the high school choir um so I was singing bass in the choir and um my brother around that time started a, a little pop punk band and we'd record demos in in my parents church just like plugging as many mics as we could to the little uh tape recorder and and record it live to tape on there and um i wanted to be in the band it was my brother and his friends and i was basically saying like hey can i can i do something and he said well if you buy this little Two hundred and fifty dollar PV bass guitar set from probably Walmart. I think is where I got it. Uh-huh. Uh, we we need a bass guitarist, so if you can learn how to, you know, hit a whole note, every sure, chord change, <laughs> yeah. then, follow the and, follow the guitar chords. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then then you can be in the band. So that was my my first experience trying to actually play original music. Um, yeah, and then and from there I I moved out here to go to school and. Um tried to join the choir at the university I was at, and mm-hmm. um basically the the choir director, Garrett knows him as well uh was a bit of a, a cruel man, and I auditioned <laughs> and he said uh, you're you're good enough, we'll get you there and in the very first practice, singing the very first song I'm trying to follow along and hit the notes and he keeps stopping to say like Hey, someone's scooping like who, oh. which which of you is scooping?' And I was like, I don't, I don't know what scooping is. Um, so, it it basically became this really uncomfortable, like five minutes where he kept stopping the music and like singling me out. And I was just like, I, I love
2: music. <laughs> I don't love this. Right, 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 right. <laughs>
1: so,
0: yeah. Okay, so you didn't go to university to pursue music, so to speak.
1: No, I actually, I I studied English um, okay. literature, so a little bit of history as well. <laughs> um, but while I was there, I, I started just kind of accidentally writing my own songs. I would learn cover songs and just kind of figured out that I, I wanted to write my own. So I think studying English helped, studying mm-hmm. poetry and just the way words work. I've always been most concerned about lyrics more than anything else. So it was kind of a natural fit. I, I had a beat up old acoustic guitar and just started writing and playing at the little coffee house at school. And um, yeah, a a friend of mine, who's a a very good musician, heard some of my songs and thought, hey, let's let's start a band together. And she was a songwriter as well. Um, So we just uh, basically when I graduated university there, um, I, I, well, kind of a long about story, but I I went on uh, this pilgrimage, the Camino de Santiago. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's uh, yeah. it's in Spain, and basically the traditional route runs from like the border of France all the way to almost the west coast of Spain. Wow. Um, so I I graduated, and I was kind of wondering, you know, what's next? I don't I didn't have a clearly defined career path, and a friend of mine said, hey, you should go walk this this pilgrimage. It'll take you a month. Might be a good idea to clear your head, figure out what you want to do next. And I rather foolishly decided to bring an acoustic guitar with me. <laughs> so I I had one of those backpack cases, jammed clothes in wherever I could, jammed mm-hmm. a couple of books in and uh, set out with a friend of mine. And um just along the way, just started writing more. Something about walking for, you know, nine hours a day clears your head. And I just started having, you know, lyrics pop into my head and I'd stop at whatever hostel we ended up at in the evening and i'd play guitar for a couple hours and um i just had a lot of people during that time stop me people i i'd met along the way you know from all different countries be like hey like you you've got something you should you should give this a shot like you should really pursue this seriously Mm um so i you know i i took that advice and i came home and decided you know i'm gonna i'm gonna start a band and i'm gonna Actually, try and uh, make a living doing this.
0: Right on, right on, and that's uh, when. So Gareth, when did you come into the picture? Was that around that first record or that self-titled record? Or
2: yeah, when I came into the picture, I'd say yeah. Okay. Um, uh, uh, I remember Tim was in a band before uh, before the Tim and the Brave product took off, called Brukey and. I remember like way back in the day at the same school tim i kind of we had sort of met and him asking me if i knew i had access to the Timpanies kind of thing and i was like first like this guy's doing music and years later he's, he got back from spain and was working on on uh, the self-titled and at that point uh we didn't know each other super well uh but i had done some work with scott scott who owns and runs other songs records who's who's uh who tim signed to and and uh Scott and Tim reached out and asked if I could do violin, so I did a, a day of violin stuff for that first record um, mm-hmm. and and that was it really that that's all oh I okay um, but then the the we just became buds and and hung out more and more, and then by the time the second record came around, it was just kind of like you know the three of us, Scott, Tim and I were always kind of in the studio doing everything, uh, okay, and you know throwing stuff at the wall, seeing what stuck sort of thing and in that time, somewhere along the way, I don't really know when I just started playing with Tim and just kind of whether it was full band or just the two of us kind of thing. Right know? on. Does every now and then does the solo stuff, too. He, he can hold his own, for sure. <laughs> well, how did
0: you get into music? Well, tell, actually, first tell me where you were born and raised. Did you guys grow up in St. Mary?
2: No, I'm, I'm from here, really. Uh, just oh, okay. Not far from Hamilton I was born. I've been here for over 10 years now. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was thinking about this the other day a, a little bit in a different way. I was watching a Chris Thiele masterclass and he was talking about knowing what your musical true north is like what was the music that turned you on to music you know can you remember like the kind of in those turbulent intense hormonal years that you just love something so much you know when you're young and uh it's hard for me to answer because because i i was raised i'm third of four boys all of us played either violin and piano or cello and piano it was kind of a oh. weird von Trappy kind of thing and uh and my mom was a music teacher at a local uh well juvenile detention center Really, high school music though curriculum and uh you know dad had grown up playing piano as well kind of my parents were of that generation and of that kind of uh culture where all the kids learned piano you know sure we all did too so mom taught us piano and 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 we got string lessons outside of the house from the age of like four we started kind of thing you know wow and uh and then school in school music was the class it was music in English that I always did well in, and I just funked everything else because I didn't care, you know um, <laughs> right. And then, what would my musical true North be? and I was thinking, I think probably I remember like right around the time Limewire was a thing, okay, uh, yeah, like a really, little after the 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 Napster days exactly like Napster was like I think we had just got internet really when Napster was blowing up, you know <laughs> and then, <laughs> sure. then Limewire came along, and uh, I was like probably eleven through thirteen in there. Okay. And I became obsessed with the Beatles. I just got everything the Beatles and Paul McCartney had ever done, and it was great because my dad had been, and you know, when he was my age, kind of thing. So there was this kind of renaissance for him. And I remember the first CD I bought ever was Abbey Road, followed quickly by Magical Mystery Tour. I got money for my birthday and went to like Best Buy or something. But um, so, like, the Beatles were like the big thing. But that that by all means, that's not to say that like. Like, I loved everything at that point, you know. Like, I had favorite Bach pieces and I had, you know, favorite, you know, punk things from the day, you know, like emo stuff that was big at the time. Right. Um, and then, kind of through similar to Tim, a lot of my the cutting of my teeth happened at church. I, I also grew up in the, in the church. And so, like, you know, piano and violin are only so useful in a young people crowd, you know, <laughs> back in the right. 2000s. So I kind of just, picked up guitar along the way and then that kind of became my main thing throughout all high school. Uh and that's when I started writing my own songs too. I I got my own kind of outfit beside aside from Tim. But um so I was writing songs then too. And then uh came time at the end of high school to go to, you know, secondary education and I uh post and and I um I thought well what can I do? I don't have any training on guitar. Violin wouldn't be that useful necessarily to be at least for what I have in mind to be you know adept in. So I, uh-huh. all do Canada. So I ended up going to a college. In Canada I think it's a bit different from the States. We have college and university and there's a little bit of a hierarchy thing a little bit of a tiered thing. I think yeah. have as college you'd have a community college maybe. I think that's the way I've understood it before.
0: Yeah, like university for you guys is like, is, isn't it like right out of high school or it's like the last two years of high school or something?
2: So you, high school is its own thing. And then out of high school, you can go to colleges or universities like for post-secondary. This okay. is really oversimplified. But colleges would be like much more hands-on practical trades kind of thing. And universities like academia kind of if you want to go the like, you know, master's PhD route sort of thing.
0: Got it. Yeah. So that's more, that makes sense. Yeah. Cause we had, we have, I mean, I think we still have trade schools. There's not a whole lot of it, man. They've kind of right. cut really back
2: on that stuff here sure. in the States. It, that's an oversimplification, even so. But <laughs> out, of, out of high school, I ended up taking a year off and then going to a college for classical piano. Okay. Um, and loving that. And then also just kind of getting, wanting more stimulation. So I went to the university route as well. Uh, but piano kind of became the main thing without me noticing it really that kind of just, and it's an ironic thing too because you would think that you know piano is the one instrument that most people learn growing up and yet you find yourself at this point and every band needs a piano player kind of thing and no one plays piano it's weird it's really weird right
0: it's like one of those things that a lot of kids are put into as you know super young and then they just you know, drop it or, you know, or they, totally. they played for a couple of years. That's my biggest regret. I never, my parent, my dad plays and my sister's 11 years younger than me. And yeah. back on the Beatles thing, that's, I grew up on the Beatles. My sister's name is Abby off the Abbey road oh. record
2: that you, you
0: know, own. Is
2: your name road?
0: No, I wish so, <laughs> but I would be first. So it would have been Abby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, but I didn't have an interest in it. I've learned, I picked, I had an interest in guitar years later, but, I'm not even very good at that, but I just I this one of my biggest regrets is like they can sit down and play not and they're not like beyond talented by any means, but they can play and they can read totally. music and it's something I was like, I'm always envious. Of.
2: Totally. I get it, man. I get it. <laughs> it really is like it is the instrument that everyone should learn because you just get such a nice visual representation of harmony and theory. You can just picture it in your head like because it's right there in front of your eyes, you know? Mm hmm. Sure. Like, but yeah, basically music, I was just raised in it, you know, like it's hard to remember when I, how I got into it, because it was kind of just the water I was swimming in from a young age. God.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: And then you were you in bands and stuff going into yeah. university? Yeah, I um I was in a band. So was, this is kind of how I got into the other songs uh, family. Okay. Um, I was in a band called the Good Hunters and, and we're long dissolved now. Um, only one record and there was a second record that should have happened because it was going to be better but um, it, it was like a folk rock band you know and uh, signed at the same time as Tim was to other songs oh, um, okay. the same and so uh, I was in that band and then um, uh, I've always just kind of been a gun for hire around you know I'll just kind of play with people when they need someone but then, uh-huh. about 2017, I finally kind of just took the took the leap instead of putting my own stuff out. So under my own name, Garrett thinks so, there's there's stuff, and I'm I'm kind of perpetually working on stuff too. i have met a couple other bands now. But...
0: Very cool. And then, are you in? Because uh, Tim was saying that you kind of joined as like a an additional player, like kind of the yeah, yeah. like record. Were you in the recording side of things, or like how did that kind of yeah? Play so into it?
2: for this. For for, I'll answer that by way of kind of describing my involvement with Tim. So the first record with Tim was just violin. The second record, uh, Fire Sale, it was uh, Tim and Scott and me, kind of there as like this third wheel that would do all a lot of the instruments and stuff, you know. And now for this third uh, LP, Vujade, um, uh, um, I uh, I am we recorded all of it. Like I, I ran the sessions, recording all of it back in July um so recording it and then producing it kind of having ideas with him like what if we try this what if we try that kind of thing bouncing stuff off each other um i played a a, a bunch of the instruments too and now i'm also mixing it uh, and scott will master it but wow. um uh, that just kind of came about because i wanted to do my own stuff but it's kind of real tough when you know uh music is not gonna pay well right sure i'm um, <laughs> win the jackpot um or you have a really robust touring regime if you have like unless the stuff is really in place it's not a cash cow by it's not even it's seldom cash (laughs) right right um and and for that reason it's tough to kind of justify or, or not even justify but just pragmatically it's tough to have find the money to put into recording and to put into you know like Um, unless you got all your ducks in a row it's going to be a lot of studio hours you'll have to pay for a lot of this a lot of that Um, and so kind of over the past five years or so year is it maybe past four years or so um, I've uh, kind of just slowly been gathering uh, gear and ability and just getting better at that whole world you know Um, I kind of after hiring out a studio for my first record I, I decided to learn it myself and I just kind of set a rule for myself that anything worth doing is worth doing badly if the alternative is not doing it at all and so I just kind of started recording songs and putting them out and they're looking back on them now I kind of can't help but wince a bit because I'm like oh I wouldn't have done that now I wouldn't have done that now like you're not mixed to perfection necessarily right sure but, sure but they're out and they exist and if I hadn't done that I wouldn't be here and so Tim is now reaping the benefit of my own kind of sacrificing my own stuff not the best quality and now here I am at a, a much better level and I'm uh, working on his stuff. Yeah, totally. cool.
1: I, I, I caught you at a good time.
2: You did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, back to you, Tim, real quick. So um, on that first record that you put out, the self-titled, was that something, like, once it was out, did you d- tour it? Like, tell me a little bit about uh, the process after you had the had the record
1: out. Yeah, so, I mean, I'd, I'd maybe go back even to the band I had before that. Um, we we had like scheduled a tour across Canada. Um, we, we had serious plans of like working pretty hard at that. Um, but then I got laryngitis right before we were, we were going to go on that tour. So we had to scrap the whole tour. And then shortly after that, we realized there were some pretty big creative differences between me and the, the other songwriter in the group. Uh, I wanted to go like the, the folk, Singer-songwriter route. She was more into kind of experimental pop. Um, so, so the band kind of dissolved, um, and I was left with a bunch of songs that I'd written, thinking like, what What can I do with these? And and Scott basically said, well, let's just get together on a weekend, record it all pretty bare bones. Uh, we'll We'll try record it on, from a Friday to a Sunday, see what happens. Uh, and we got Gareth in for that. We got a couple other friends in for that. And it turned out really well. Um, but right around that time, I, I was also kind of thinking like, man, it is, it's tough to have debt from university. Um, I was working kind of part-time at coffee shops and doing a bit of tree planting in the summers to, to make ends meet and to fund sure. it. Um, so we, we didn't tour it. we, did like little Southern Ontario weekend tours, you know, like go to Toronto, uh, go to Guelph, go to London, which is an hour west of here. Um, So we, we, we played it a fair bit. um, But I also got a little bit tired of being the another guy on stage with an acoustic guitar, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's pretty easy to tune that out. Um, So I think at at that point Mm -hmm. I, I, hit the brakes a little bit and was just like, I don't know if I really want to pursue this full time. Uh, I think uh, it's okay if it's somewhere between a hobby and a career, you know, I can try and make money at it. I can do it well, but I don't know if it's going to be my, my main gig. Sure. And then,
0: and then, so once that, like, did you, once the next record came out, was it, I mean, there's like five years in between, right? I mean, yeah. So is that what you were doing, like just trying to trying to gain like, you know, rebuild, like replenish your bank account, so to speak, to pay for the next record? Like, tell me, is that what was the the, the gap
1: there? Yeah, basically that. I mean, I, I, uh, I was working a full time job. I was doing a couple of writing internships. I thought for a while I might want to get into journalism. Mm-hmm. So I pursued that for a couple of years uh ironically also not a great financial endeavor (laughs) necessarily um so i did that for a bit i worked in admissions at the university i went to like traveling around trying to convince high school students to go to the school um did that for a couple years um so and then right during that time is when i when i released fire sale um
2: we were playing shows throughout that whole yeah yeah yeah, for
1: sure it's it's not like i checked out i just became a, a bit more of like a i don't know a a weekend warrior you know gotcha working my nine to five but still playing shows whenever i could Um, got
2: it okay and workshopping the new songs throughout there you know yeah Yeah. totally
1: and i mean i i think i realized with fire sale that like i wasn't intentionally putting the kind of effort i was uh into my career in music as as when i released the self-title but i found i was still just i felt the need to still be writing songs you know so if I'm writing songs, well I might as well record them. So then we have enough songs for a record, so we put the record out and the record did pretty well. Uh there was one single that kind of blew up on Spotify which was good for me, paid paid the rent for a few months. And then that gets you thinking too, well okay, if that can happen once when I'm, you know, I'm not fully focused on it, maybe if I fully focus on it again, it it could it could take off. So heading into to this record, uh I was, I was kind of thinking, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it another shot. I'm going to you know, do it right, get Garrett to record it, um, get, some, get a good drummer in, get a good bassist in, some, some friends of mine. Um, so we did that. We were pretty fortunate. We were living together at the time with some other friends. So when COVID hit, um, I just kind of thought, well, now's a good time to record. We got nothing else going on. Uh, yeah.
0: We- I was going to see where you guys were at when, when that all happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, our living situation was pretty unique um, because we lived right next to a church that we had access to an old uh, Anglican church. Mm -hmm. Um, So we recorded the record in there. We could get the drummer and the bassist in and have everyone distanced enough that it was safe to do. Sure. Um, So it was, it was pretty fortunate. It was, it it worked out really well that way. But then it was also like, okay, right. When I'm thinking maybe I'm going to give this another shot with music everything kind of shuts down, down and <laughs> Yeah, there hasn't been a live show in a year. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so was the record complete then at, during you guys recorded the whole album during quarantine?
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it needs the the odd overdub here and there still. And Gareth was working on some of that over the past six weeks. Um,
2: we, don't have, we, don't have, I realize we don't have vocals on 50 yet as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> one song we need to
1: record vocals on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's 10 songs. I'd say six of them are pretty much fully mixed.
0: Amazing. Yeah.
1: And then sure, there yeah. Yeah. And then there are four that are left to do some touch ups, but it should be done soon. Uh we're putting another single out end of the month, April 30th, mm-hmm. and then we got another one ready to go a couple weeks after that. So uh very
0: cool. Yeah, because you have we have one song off the record out so far, Saint Maria. So tell me about that song. Why'd you choose that as the, the kind of first song in what, four or five years?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think one of the reasons is thematically, it's, it's the best transition from some of my older stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I write a lot about... Um, I, I've been thinking about this a lot because I need to write a band bio. Uh, sure,
0: (laughs) which is always (laughs) such a nuisance. Like, I hate writing about myself, especially even with the podcast. It's like, what do I have to say about myself?
2: Writing with yourself in the third person, you know, in the last name, right? Right,
0: exactly. Like, blah blah blah, (laughs) even like LinkedIn bios, all that stuff. It's like,
1: oh my god. Yeah, totally. Right. It's like writing about myself, like Celis writes introspective folk songs. It just makes <laughs> me want to gag. Right. Uh, but I have been thinking about like, well, what, what's my focus? I, I think one of the things that has stayed with me through all the songs I write, I I tend to write, uh, I mean, people write for all sorts of reasons. they write love songs or political songs or dance, pop, you know, like they're there's all sorts of reasons to write for myself. I found that I write mostly as like therapy. <laughs> like when I, when I'm going through something that, uh, uh, you know, I need to kind of work through on a, on a personal level. That's when I, that's when I find writing to be the, the easiest and the most, it, the, the songs just come then. Um, so I think I've written a lot about change, about, you know, in relationships. Uh, you know, living so far away from my family, um, changing my faith and my understanding of like my upbringing and what I believe now. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think St. Maria really captures that in terms of it being a song about like being at a a pivotal moment in my life and feeling like I need some kind of direction or guidance. And maybe that's going to come from God or maybe it's going to be some kind of natural sign like the one the year that i wrote it it was super super warm in november here Mm -hmm. uh like 20 degrees which is bizarre doesn't happen
2: celsius by the way yeah i was gonna say i figured (laughs)
1: that was celsius
0: because i'm like 24 degrees
1: that is freezing (laughs) i don't know what that would be in fahrenheit but um, but like it warm. 70, it's
0: like got to be in the 80s. What is it? Like 32 degrees warmer or
2: something Multiply like that? by something and then add 37 or something like that. I always forget. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> While you're talking, I'm going to figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whatever the case, it was warm enough that the
1: rose bush in our backyard uh, that normally would, you know, go dormant in November was blooming again. It had mm-hmm. this like weird second bloom in the fall and uh i just looked at that and thought like huh maybe maybe this is a sign that like and then i started thinking well what are other examples of you know things in the natural world or if you're religious or spiritual like what what where where would you find confirmation that the direction you're going is the right direction
2: Mm -hmm. Um, tim texted scott and i actually asking for like what are some ideas about things you might see that could be indicative like if you Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. You know, like on, sure. the, on the line of things. Yeah. It's it's
0: it's seventy five point two degrees. If you guys are curious. Here we go. <laughs> what
2: is, and what is that in Celsius? <laughs>
1: Twenty four. <laughs> so yeah, that uh, this song just felt like uh, like a good bridge between some of the songs on Fire Sale and mm-hmm. then some of the some of the new songs that I'm that I'm working on. So.
0: Very cool. And how do you guys feel about like um, putting this out during? I mean, we're all still pretty stuck. Th- th- That's being said, though, um, I don't know how it is in Canada right now, but here in the states, they have announced some big festivals: Outside Lands in San Francisco, Bonnaroo here in Tennessee, and Ride Fest in Chicago. Like the, you know, they're they're ready to gather. Hun- I would think up to about a hundred thousand people in one area. Like that must be pretty, you know. Y- y- like encouraging, I guess. I don't know. If, I can't think of the word
2: at this point, but like hopeful. We're a bit, we're a bit behind you at this point. We, uh, I think we just per capita surpassed you for daily infection rate. Oh, geez. Um, our vaccine Sorry. distribution has been kind of bungled. It's weird because usually we're like really kind of cocky about our healthcare and about our, you know, all the stuff that we get for free and efficiently and all that sort of thing. Sure. And um, you're
0: the, the, how much they embrace music there is insane. Like, yeah, yeah just true. everything so, about it. So
2: it's been, yeah, I mean Ontario is its own special case in a few, in a bit too, because Ontario is kind of a majority of Canada lives here, you know, and and mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if that's quite true, but most it's the most populous province.
1: Yeah, carefully, you're gonna piss off some West Coasters. I know,
2: I know. People, everyone in Canada loves to hate Ontario. And, <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah, and Ontario <laughs> doesn't. I, being born and raised here, I love the rest of Canada. I don't know what it's about,
0: but <laughs> and you guys have the best uh, national anthem. I always have to tell my oh, know, fellow I, Canadians. Know,
2: Bit contentious these days, but I think the USSR had the best. Well, the Russian national anthem still the most beautiful national anthem. Um, really, I'm not, I, I, I had, I'm not too familiar, about, but it, whenever I alone,
0: <laughs> <laughs> whenever I hear "Oh Canada," I'm like, you guys just yours yeah. is just so much better than ours.
2: <laughs> the, Whitney Houston, the Whitney Houston rendition of the Star So Angle Banner at the Super Bowl back in the early '90s is the best rendition of any national anthem ever. It's incredible.
0: I'll have um, to go back and listen to I it. I listen
2: to that just for fun, still.
1: Um, <laughs> it's in your like Spotify
0: playlist. <laughs> you're, you're,
1: you're, you're joking. You're, you're, you're seeing. You're seeing Garrett's nerdier side here. <laughs> I- I don't know that I've uh, I've met anyone who thinks that the USSR national anthem is is worth a listen.
0: The top five on his
1: <laughs> is moving.
0: Uh, you look at your Spotify playback, the most songs of the year you've listened
2: to that Russian national anthem <laughs> number one. Socialist propaganda. Oh, I, um, the question was about how we're doing for festivals and this sort of thing. Sure. Um, uh we're pretty behind on that front i think yeah it's gonna be gonna be sometime yet i saw like some american like dawes they started book. i think they tentatively booked a show for the fall in vancouver which surprises me a bit but like i I don't see how we could be ready by then but we'll see yeah i
0: know bands here in the states are booking tours for november you know up in you know november december but i don't know i haven't really paid to be honest, paid much attention to like where, I mean, some of the shows are. I've seen where some of them, but I haven't noticed really the Canadian dates.
2: It's tough to keep up to date when you, you kind of get weary of trying to relearn the new terms of things when it's just kind of, it's the, the turnover rate of what is most up to date keeps flipping so fast, you know? Like, right, right. ready by that, no it won't. It'll be ready by that, no it won't. Be, you know, like it's just kind of, it, it, it's tough to kind of keep on top of that.
0: Sure. So yeah. like with the, with the release, is that kind of something that you were hesitant on or no, just want to get it out?
1: I mean, I, I just want to get it out there. We're, we'll, we'll play shows when, when we can. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point though, it's like, I, I've just learned this year to not make plans really. I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I got married in August and well, well congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Uh, it, it was it worked out really well because August in Canada was like things were most open then. So it okay. turned out to be a, a pretty normal wedding, which That's is great. good. But that whole process of just like trying to plan, is my family going to be allowed to come from Alberta? Are we going to be allowed to have 10 people or 50 people or 100 people? Like it was just constantly shifting so we sent out like probably five rounds of wedding invites
0: like, <laughs> you might be able to come <laughs> i'll let you know if you make the cut next time we send out the invite
1: <laughs> yeah so so all my friends knew exactly where they ranked
2: yeah uh, so i mean I, I,
1: I thinking of music and and booking shows and stuff like that um i want to do it i i think it would be a lot of fun to put together a tour with with gareth and i mean naturally he he could play his own set i could play my set so we could book we could book something together that would work out really well i think
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um but yeah at this point i don't know when that would be um
2: i'm
1: a i'm a teacher um as well so i teach high school english oh cool i was really looking forward to the summer as being like hey i have the whole summer off paid that's a great time to put a tour together and sure i don't think we'll be at that point yet so okay
0: well, hopefully sooner than later. Um, and thank you guys so much for for hanging out and chatting with me today. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank great. you. It's It's been great, man. I've
0: I have cool. a, sorry, one more question for you, if you don't mind. Um, do you guys have, or uh, I want to get an answer from both of you. Do you have any advice for aspiring artists?
1: Nice. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing that comes to mind, I'm reading this book by uh, Jeff Tweedy right now called How to Write One Song.
0: Oh, I've uh, heard of this book. I haven't read it, but I've heard of it. Yeah.
1: It's uh it's great. I mean, I've I've read it once. I keep going back for little little snippets, but he just talks about how anyone you've heard of in music, um, you've heard of them because they're hard working. So he, he talks about how like Beyonce is probably the hardest working musician on the planet. Um hmm. and he just says like, if you want to do music as a career, you, you have to treat it like a nine-to-five job. Go to work every day. Write a song every day. Uh, record something every day. Be on the phone with booking reps at clubs and, you know, try and figure out... Uh, you, it, it's a grind. You, you need to be willing to do the work um, to get results, basically. Which is, like, totally anti-the romantic artist, singer-songwriter in me. Who who wants to just like play my songs and the world will hear them and love it? It's just like no, you you have to you have to go to work every day. So I think that's probably probably the big one.
0: I love that. What about you, Gareth?
2: Yeah, I was, that's hard to answer. I, I think I have an answer though. Um, I'm going to answer from experience. Tim's totally right. Well, Jeff Tweedy's totally right. Tim is right <laughs> to agree with um, You know, and, and that that's you, you encounter that same sort of uh pearl of wisdom across the arts too you know across creative types you know Tchaikovsky in music said you know you have to put the hours of practice in so that when the muse shows up you know how to address it you know you know how to actually do it that sort of thing is you know um you know is it Stephen King who kind of proverbially writes 10 pages a day or something like that, no matter what, like, you just, you just do it. Right. You just, yeah.
0: He, that's something about waking up. He, he like wake up in the morning and writes 10 pages yeah, no right? what, or something There's like that. kind of,
2: it's gotta be true, you know, cause it works across. This is going to sound like it's like the antithetical to that. And it's not at all. Um, I think the, the wisdom is finding how to hold the two together. And, and that, that would be, remember why you're doing it. Um, I say that because I think, it's very easy to get lost in the weeds. So, so I, I also have my own music stuff, my own songs that are trying to make it work. You know, I'm, I'm a bit more, I don't know if you call it foolish or romantic or dreamer in that, like, I still kind of live, I let myself live in the illusion that maybe it's going to work You know, and I just kind of maintain that, maintain that possibility so that you can kind of keep the carrot dangling in front of you, you know? Sure. Um, but with that, it can very easily kind of turn into desperation where you just do stuff you just do stuff you just do stuff you know uh and just hope that it generates something and and looking back on my catalog there are a couple songs there where i'm kind of like why was, why did i release that like why did i put that out why did i spend you know weeks or months on that i don't really like that you know i know that other people do i know that other people think it's good and so sure whatever you know but really it doesn't actually address the heart of why i'm doing this and so if i'm gonna you know, exhaust myself on a project and hold my nose and tweet about it, or put Instagram posts about it, trying to do self-promotion and do all the work stuff that, that is so necessary that Jeff Tweedy was mentioning that Tim was talking about. If I'm going to do that, then there's gotta be a really resilient, uh, really robust sense of, of purpose in it. Like I better believe what I'm doing. You know, I better love the product that I'm making otherwise i'm just exhausting myself and embarrassing myself with these posts and doing all this sort of thing for something i don't actually believe in you know if you believe in it then whether or not it succeeds you did something that you believe in and it exists now and it's just this testament to your to your you know pursuit of meaning at least that's how i experience.